Are there many places in the Bible that talk about the word darkness and also light? What is that all about? What about the minor prophets like Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Jonah and Micah, Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi? What do they have to say about the end times? Does that have anything to do with darkness and light? We're going to look into that a little bit today. I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. So let's start in Joel 1 and verse 15. The day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. Our food disappears before our very eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the house of our God. The seeds die in the parched ground, and the crops fail. The grain crops fail. The barns stand empty, and the granaries are abandoned. How the animals moan with hunger. The herds of cattle wander about, confused, because they have no pasture. The flocks and sheep and goats bleat in misery. Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures, and the flames have burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you because the streams have dried up, and the fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. That's the last verse in Joel 1. Sound the alarm. This is Joel 2, verse 1. Raise the battle cry on my holy mountain. Let every one, everyone, t- uh, tremble in fear because of the day of the Lord is upon us. Do you want the day of the Lord? Uh, this doesn't sound much like something that we should want. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Will that last forever? Will this be the end of the earth and all of its people? I'm here to say, if it is, then what does Jesus have to come back to when he comes back to receive his own? What if everybody's dead and gone already? Well, no. So it's not going to last forever. He will put a stop to it. And I'll show you that from Matthew 24 in just a little while. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. What on earth could cause that? Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has ever been seen before and will never be seen again. Fire burns in front of them and flames follow after them. Do you remember the Gulf War in uh, Iraq? That's what it sounds like to me. Ahead of them, the land lies beautiful, like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. Unquote. I'm going to drop down to verse 10, chapter 2 of Joel. 
The earth quakes as they advance, and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. Where have we heard that before? Well, Matthew twenty four twenty nine, and we'll go there. But first, the Lord is at the head of the column. He leads them with a shout. His mighty army, or this is his mighty army, and they follow his orders. The day, the day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? And that is why the Lord says this. And this is what we need to do as dwellers on the earth, especially as Americans. Turn to me now, says the Lord, while there is time. Give me your hearts. That's what he's really after, folks. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief. Tear your hearts instead. Return. Return to the Lord your God, for he is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent, not to punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, send you a blessing instead of this curse. Don't we all want blessings? Of course we do. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God just as before. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, and even the babies. Call them. Call the bridegroom from his quarters. Who's the bridegroom? Well, that would be Jesus. And the bride from her private room. That's the church. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray. Spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, Has the God of Israel left them? Verse 18 says, Then the Lord will pity his people and jealously guard the honor of his land. We need him. The Lord will reply, Look, I am sending you grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy your needs. You will no longer be an object of mockery among the surrounding nations. I will drive away these armies from the north, and I will send them into the parched wastelands. Those in the front will be driven into the Dead Sea, and those in the rear into the Mediterranean. The stench of their rotting bodies will rise over the land. Surely the Lord has done great things. So don't be afraid, my people. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit. Fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down once more. 
Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God. Why? For he sends rain. For the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent great destroying army, uh, this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among the people of Israel and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Now, yes, this is talking about Jews, the Israelites. But the church is not the replacement of the Israelites. He still has a purpose for the Israelites. So we can't just horn ourselves in and call ourselves Israelites, but they are a type of the rest of us who are Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. I don't have any Jewish uh, ancestors that I know of. But he loves all people, especially those who love him. And that should be you and I. We should love him because he cares about us. So much so, he went to the cross to die in our place. So he's not going to abandon us. He's not going to give up on his investment that he put into with his own sweat, blood, and tears. Once again, verse 26, chapter 2, Joel. Once again, you have all the food you want, or you will have, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you, and you will never again be disgraced. You will know that I am among the people of Israel. Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Not just the Jews, all people. That's verse 28, chapter 2, Joel. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Is there a difference between us? Well, of course there is, but we're both children of God. I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will be or will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, and that's regularly, will be saved for some on Mount Zion in 
Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. And hopefully that's you and me. Then going over to chapter 3, dropping down to verse uh, 15. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will no longer shine. The Lord's voice will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth will shake. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a strong fortress for the people of Israel, and by extension, us as well. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. I know I go there a lot, but it is kind of the premier prophecy. Did you know that Jesus himself was not only our Savior, not only our King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's also the prophet of prophets? He is the one who uttered these words in Matthew 24. Let's start in verse 4, and I want to go into the main part here about the darkness, but we'll get there. Don't let anyone deceive you, he said, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Now, this is race, ethos in the Greek, and uh, government in the place of kingdom. Kingdom against kingdom, government against government. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Every woman who's had a baby knows about these birth pains. They get worse as they uh, get closer to the birth. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will not be raptured, in other words, at that time. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. You mean Christians will turn on one another? Yep. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that is what I hope for you and me that we will do that. We will be able to endure through it all to the very end, either of our lives or the end of this age. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Now let me just interject right here the fact that what Jesus is saying is the good news is about the kingdom. In other words, the gospel, which is what the word means, good news, is about the kingdom. 
Yeah, now sure, it starts with Jesus uh, being crucified and put in the grave. He died on the cross, gets put into the grave, and three days later, he is resurrected from the dead. That's essential, or otherwise the, uh, the basis, the foundation, would not have been laid for the kingdom of God. We need to see that and realize that the good news is, an, is not just about the basis or the foundation. It's about the whole kingdom and about the future, your future place in that kingdom. That's what our lives are about. We're learning to govern with love. That's why we have families. That's why we go to church. We go to church because we need to learn to love one another. That's what Jesus himself said. But this good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Well, that has to happen through a lot of the trouble and persecution that's going to go on. So we'll continue in verse 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel prophesied. He spoke about the religious sacrifice, the religious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea, which is a small little area around Jerusalem, must flee to the hills a person out on the deck of a roof. Now, usually they have flat roofs over there. They don't get a lot of rain, but they have an outer, outside staircase to go up and down to get up there. Don't go down off of that deck to get your stuff in the, in the house to pack, he says in verse 17. A person out in the field must not even return to get a coat how terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Well, I got news for you. It's not now. Not yet. And pray that your flight, in other words, away from Jerusalem in Judea, will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for at that time there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And never will it be so great again? In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. That's how bad it's got to get before the return of Christ, before the so-called rapture. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, God's chosen people, you and me, hopefully. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah over there, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, he's out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or, look, he's hiding in here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will 
it be when the Son of Man comes? And we're going to talk about that just a little bit, if you would. The lightning is what Jesus will look like. How could that be? If it's broad daylight, lightning wouldn't even show up. It's not broad daylight that he's going to be coming back into or through. It's darkness. We just read that in Joel. For as the lightning that flashes in the east shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes, just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs, the darkness and him coming like lightning, these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately, verse 29, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. We just saw that in Joel. The moon will give no light, and the stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign of the, or that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, this lightning, this bright light. And there will be deep mourning among all the people of the earth. Why are they mourning? Well, they're mourning because there's no food. Even the animals can't find pasture. And it's dark outside. People are afraid. They're panicky. It's very, very ugly, actually. Very ugly. But Jesus is going to turn that around when at last the sign of the Son of Man coming will appear in the heavens. So let's talk a minute about why the stars will be darkened and the moon give no light and the stars fall from the sky. I haven't talked about that in a while, but I'm going to give you my take on it. So, the United States Space Surveillance Network reported there are nearly 20,000 objects orbiting the Earth that are man-made. Some of them are large enough to be tracked. There are 128,000 others that are too small. There are satellites that have been blown to bits. Space junk, trash, if you will, all over the atmosphere of planet Earth. Planet Earth is not a large planet. If you drew a line through the diameter, that is the middle of the Earth, it would only measure about 8,000 um, miles long. That's from here to California and back four times. But anyway... It's not a large planet, but it is, in my belief, in my understanding, the beginning planet. Jesus is not going to make other life come on other planets, only to have to be crucified again and again and again for people's sins. He's done that once and for all. And so, it's as part of the kingdom of God spreading and never having an end, those planets will come to life. And we're going to find out more about that in Isaiah chapter 45. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. This is what the Lord says, The Holy One of Israel and your Creator, 
Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? Am, or I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Wow. Then dropping down to verse 18. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and the earth, and put everything in place. He made the world. Now this word world could mean realm. Everything like the heavens and the earth. Everything, the realm, the world. To be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. Unquote. Well, in the next verse, he says, I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. So in other words, he's the creator of the universe. All the planets and stars, he has plans for every single one of them. In chapter 40 of Isaiah, verse 22, starting there, he says, God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his dwelling place, a place to dwell in, a tent, if you will, from them. He judges the people of the world and brings them all to nothing. In verse 28, he says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. Dropping down to 31, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings, no, soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. He says in verse 10 of chapter 41, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He says in verse 13, For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God. And I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Unquote. Dropping down to verse uh, 17. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys and I will fill the desert pools with water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert, the cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. I am doing all this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means, that it is I, the Lord, who has done this, the Holy One of Israel, who created it. Keep your eyes on the Middle East, folks, because that's the hot spot of the world, Judea, the center 
is Jerusalem around that area. Watch the Middle East because that will be the seat of the war that's going to cause all this oil smoke to rise in the sky. Where do I get all that? Well, from Isaiah 34, and we've read this many, many, many times. In verse 9 of 34, he says, The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch and the ground covered with fire. This judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. Now, if you combine that with Revelation 9-2, you'll find out why we have the smoke. You know, they talk about fire, but they don't talk about smoke very much. People don't. But here's what it says. Verse 2. When he opened the bottomless pit, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight in the air turned dark from the smoke. Well, there you go. And that's why smoke will cover the earth. There's no putting that fire out. Only God, only the returning Christ Jesus can put that out. He's the mighty creator. He can solve that big problem. So watch the Middle East and you will know what's going to happen in the future. The sun and the moon will be darkened because of that smoke. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and learn more from my books. I have nothing for sale. I don't need your email address. Just believe what you see in the Bible and pay attention to it because God's got this, and he knows how to fix it. Trust him.